Chapter Sixteen of the Italian. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marty Chris. The Italian by Anne Radcliffe. Chapter Sixteen. The lonely mountains o'er, and the resounding shore, a voice of weeping heard and loud lament from haunted spring and dale edged with poplar pale the parting genius is with sighing scent with flower in woven tresses torn the nymphs in twilight shade of tangled thicket mourn milton while the marchesa and the monk were thus meditating conspiracies against elena she was still in the ursuline convent on the lake of solano in this obscure sanctuary indisposition the consequence of the long and severe anxiety she had suffered compelled her to remain a fever was on her spirits and a universal lassitude prevailed over her frame which became the more effectual from her very solicitude to conquer it every approaching day she hoped she would be able to pursue her journey homeward yet every day found her as incapable of travelling as the last and the second week was already gone before the fine air of solano and the tranquillity of her asylum began to revive her vivaldi who was her daily visitor at the grate of the convent and who watching over her with intense solicitude had hitherto forbore to renew a subject which by agitating her spirits might affect her health now that her health strengthened ventured gradually to mention his fears lest the place of her retreat should be discovered and left he yet might irrevocably lose her unless she would approve of their speedy marriage at every visit he now urged the subject represented the dangers that surrounded them and repeated his arguments and entreaties for now when he believed that time was pressing forward fatal evils he could no longer attend to the delicate scruples that bade him be sparing in entreaty elena had she obeyed the dictates of her heart would have rewarded his attachment and his services by a frank approbation of his proposal but the objections which reason exhibited against such a concession she would neither overcome or disregard after he had again represented their present dangers and claimed the promise of her hand received in the presence of her deceased relative signora bianchi gently ventured to remind her that an event as sudden as lamentable had first deferred their nuptials and that if bianchi had lived elena would have bestowed long since the vows he now solicited again he entreated her by every sacred and tender recollection to conclude the fearful uncertainty of their fate and to bestow upon him the right to protect her before they ventured forth from this temporary asylum elena immediately admitted the sacredness of the promise which she had formerly given and assured vivaldi that she considered herself as indissolubly bound to wed him as if it had been given at the altar but she objected to a confirmation of it till his family should seem willing to receive her for their daughter when forgetting the injuries she had received from them she would no longer refuse their alliance she added that vivaldi ought to be more jealous of the dignity of the woman whom he honoured with his esteem than to permit her making a greater concession vivaldi felt the full force of this appeal 
he recollected with anguish circumstances of which she was happily ignorant but which served to strengthen with him the justness of her reproof and as the aspersions which the Marques had thrown upon her name crowded to his memory pride and indignation swelled his heart and so far overcame apprehension of hazard that he formed a momentary resolution to abandon every other consideration to that of asserting the respect which was due to elena and to forbear claiming her for his wife till his family should make acknowledgment of their error and willingly admit her in the rank of their child but this resolution was as transient as plausible other considerations and former fears pressed upon him he perceived the strong improbability that they would ever make a voluntary sacrifice of their pride to his love or yield mistakes nurtured by prejudice and by willing indulgence to truth and a sense of justice in the meantime the plans which would be formed for separating him from elena might succeed and he should lose her for ever above all it appeared that the best the only method which remained for confuting the daring aspersions that had affected her name was by proving the high respect he himself felt for her and presenting her to the world in the sacred character of his wife these considerations quickly determined him to persevere in his suit but it was impossible to urge them to elena since the circumstances they must unfold would not only shock her delicacy and afflict her heart but would furnish the proper pride she cherished with new arguments against approaching a family who had thus grossly insulted her while these considerations occupied him the emotion they occasioned did not escape elena's observation it increased as he reflected on the impossibility of urging them to her and on the hopelessness of prevailing with her unless he could produce new arguments in his favor his unaffected distress awakened all her tenderness and gratitude she asked herself whether she ought any longer to assert her own rights when by doing so she sacrificed the peace of him who had incurred so much danger for her sake who had rescued her from severe oppression and had so long and so well proved the strength of his affection as she applied these questions she appeared to herself an unjust and selfish being unwilling to make any sacrifice for the tranquillity of him who had given her liberty even at the risk of his life her very virtues now that they were carried to excess seemed to her to border upon vices her sense of dignity appeared to be narrow pride her delicacy weakness her moderated affection cold ingratitude and her circumspection little less than prudence degenerated into meanness vivaldi was apt in admitting hope as fear immediately perceived her resolution beginning to yield and he urged again every argument which is likely to prevail over it but the subject was too important for elena to be immediately decided upon he departed only with a saint assurance of encouragement and she forbade him to return till the following day when she would acquaint him with her final determination the interval was perhaps the most painful he had ever experienced alone and on the banks of the lake he passed many hours in alternate hope and fear in endeavoring to anticipate the decision on which seemed suspended all his future peace 
and abruptly recoiling from it as often as imagination represented it to be adverse of the walls that enclosed her he scarcely ever lost sight the view of them seemed to cherish his hopes and while he gazed upon their rugged surface elena alone was pictured on his fancy till his anxiety to learn her disposition towards him arose to agony and he would abruptly leave the spot but an invisible spell still seemed to attract him back again and evening found him pacing slowly beneath the shade of those melancholy boundaries that concealed his elena her day was not more tranquil whenever prudence and decorous pride forbade her to become a member of the vivaldi family as consequently did gratitude affection irresistible tenderness plead for the cause of vivaldi the memory of past times returned and the very accents of the deceased seemed to murmur from the grave and command her to fulfil the engagement which had soothed the dying moments of bianchi on the following morning vivaldi was at the gates of the convent long before the appointed hour and he lingered in dreadful impatience till the clock struck the signal for his entrance elena was already in the parlor she was alone and rose in disorder on his approach his steps faltered his voice was lost and his eyes only which he fixed with a wild earnestness on hers had power to inquire her resolution she observed the paleness of his countenance and his emotion with a mixture of concern and approbation at that moment he perceived her smile and hold out her hand to him and fear and care and doubt vanished at once from his mind he was incapable of thanking her but sighed deeply as he pressed her hand and overcome with joy supported himself against the grate that separated them you are then indeed my own said vivaldi at length recovering his voice we shall be no more parted you are mine for ever but your countenance changes oh heaven surely i have not mistaken speak i conjure you elena relieve me from these terrible doubts i am yours vivaldi replied elena faintly oppression can part us no more she wept and drew her veil over her eyes what mean those tears said vivaldi with alarm ah elena he added in a softened voice should tears mingle with such moments as these should your tears fall upon my heart now they tell me that your consent is given with reluctance with grief that your love is feeble your heart yes elena that your whole heart is no longer mine they ought rather to tell you replied elena that it is all your own that my affection was never more powerful than now when it can overcome every consideration with respect to your family and urge me to a step which must degrade me in their eyes and i fear in my own oh retract that cruel assertion interrupted vivaldi degrade you in your own degrade you in their eyes he was much agitated his countenance was flushed and an air of more than usual dignity dilated his figure the time shall come my elena he added with energy when they shall understand your worth and acknowledge your excellence oh 
that i were an emperor that i might shew to all the world how much i love and honour you elena gave him her hand and withdrawing her veil smiled on him through her tears with gratitude and reviving courage before vivaldi retired to the convent he obtained her consent to consult with an aged benedictine whom he had engaged in his interest as to the hour at which the marriage might be solemnized with the least observation the priest informed him that at the conclusion of the vesper service he should be disengaged for several hours and that as the first hour after sunset was more solitary than almost any other the brotherhood being then assembled in the refectory he would meet vivaldi and elena at that time in a chapel on the edge of the lake a short distance from the benedictine coven to which it belonged and celebrate their nuptials with this proposal vivaldi immediately returned to elena when it was agreed that the party should assemble at the hour mentioned by the priest elena who had thought it proper to mention her intention to the abbess of the ursulines was by her permission to be attended by a lay-sister and vivaldi was to meet her without the walls and conduct her to the altar when the ceremony was over the fugitives were to embark in a vessel hired for the purpose and crossing the lake proceed towards naples vivaldi again withdrew to engage a boat and elena to prepare for the continuance of her journey as the appointed hour drew near her spirits sunk and she watched with melancholy foreboding the sun retiring amidst the stormy clouds and his rays fading from the highest points of the mountains till the gloom of twilight prevailed over the scene she then left her apartment took a grateful leave of the hospitable abbess and attended by the lay sister quitted the convent immediately without the gate she was met by vivaldi whose look as he put her arm within his gently reproached her for the dejection of her air they walked in silence towards the chapel of san sebastian the scene appeared to sympathize with the spirits of elena it was a gloomy evening and the lake which broke in the dark waves upon the shore mingled its hollow sounds with those of the wind that bowed the lofty pines and swept in the gusts among the rocks she observed with alarm the heavy thunder-clouds that rolled along the sides of the mountains and the birds circling swiftly over the waters and scudding away to their nests among the cliffs and she noticed to vivaldi that as a storm seemed approaching she wished to avoid crossing the lake he immediately ordered paolo to dismiss the boat and to be in waiting with a carriage that if the weather should become clearer they might not be detained longer than was otherwise necessary as they approached the chapel elena fixed her eyes on the mournful cypresses which waved over it and sighed those she said are funeral mementos not such as should grace the altar of marriage vivaldi i could be superstitious think you not they are portentous of future misfortune but forgive me my spirits are weak vivaldi endeavoured to soothe her mind and tenderly reproached her for the sadness she indulged thus they entered the chapel silence and a kind of gloomy sepulchral light prevailed within the venerable benedictine with a brother who was to serve as guardian to the bride were already there but they were kneeling and engaged in prayer vivaldi led the trembling elena to the altar where they waited till the benedictines should have finished 
and these were moments of great emotion she often looked round the dusky chapel in fearful expectation of discovering some lurking observer and though she knew it to be very improbable that any person in this neighbourhood could be interested in interrupting the ceremony her mind involuntarily admitted the possibility of it once indeed as her eyes glanced over a casement elena fancied she distinguished a human face laid close to the glass as if to watch what was passing within but when she looked again the apparition was gone notwithstanding this she listened with anxiety to the uncertain sounds without and sometimes started as the surges of the lake dashed over the rock below almost believing she heard the steps and whispering voices of men in the avenues of the chapel she tried however to subdue apprehension by considering that if this were true a harmless curiosity might have attracted some inhabitants of the convent hither and her spirits became more composed till she observed a door open a little way and a dark countenance looking from behind it in the next instant it retreated and the door was closed vivaldi who perceived elena's complexion change as she laid her hand on his arm followed her eyes to the door but no person appearing he inquired the cause of her alarm we are observed said elena some person appeared at that door and if we are observed my love replied vivaldi who is there in this neighbourhood whose observation we can have reason to fear good father dispatch he added turning to the priest you forget that we are waiting the officiating priest made a signal that he had nearly concluded his orison but the other brother rose immediately and spoke with vivaldi who desired that the doors of the chapel might be fastened to prevent intrusion we dare not bar the gates of this holy temple replied the benedictine it is a sanctuary and never may be closed but you will allow me to repress idle curiosity said vivaldi and to inquire who watches beyond that door the tranquillity of this lady demands thus much the brother assented and vivaldi stepped to the door but perceiving no person in the obscure passage beyond it he returned with lighter steps to the altar from which the officiating priest now rose my children said he i have made you wait but an old man's prayers are not less important than a young man's vows though this is not a moment when you will admit that truth i will allow whatever you please good father replied vivaldi if you will administer those vows without further delay time presses the venerable priest took his station at the altar and opened the book vivaldi placed himself on his right hand and with looks of anxious love endeavoured to encourage elena who with a dejected countenance which her veil but ill conceived and eyes fixed on the ground leaned on her attendant sister the figure and homely features of this sister the tall stature and harsh visage of the brother clothed in the grey habit of his order the silvered head and placid physiognomy of the officiating priest enlightened by the gleam from the lamp above opposed to the youthful grace and spirit of vivaldi and the milder beauty and sweetness of elena formed altogether a group worthy of the pencil the priest had begun the ceremony 
when a noise from without again alarmed Eleanor, who observed the door once more cautiously opened, and a man bend forward his gigantic figure from behind it. He carried a torch, and its glare as the door gradually unclosed discovered that other persons in the passage beyond looking forward over his shoulder into the chapel. The fierceness of their air and the strange peculiarity of their dress instantly convinced Elena that they were not inhabitants of the Benedictine convent, but some terrible messengers of evil. Her half-stifled shriek alarmed Vivaldi, who caught her before she fell to the ground. But as he had not faced the door, he did not understand the occasion of her terror, till the sudden rush of footsteps made him turn, when he observed several men armed and very singularly habited advancing towards the altar. "'Who is he that intrudes upon this sanctuary?' he demanded sternly, while he half rose from the ground where Elena had sunk. "'What sacrilegious footsteps!' cried the priest. "'Thus rudely violate this holy place!' Elena was now insensible, and the men continuing to advance, Vivaldi drew his sword to protect her. The priest and Vivaldi now spoke together, but the words of neither could be distinguished, when a voice tremendous from its loudness, like bursting thunder, dissipated the cloud of mystery. "'You, Vincenzo di Vivaldi, and of Naples,' it said, "'and you, Elena di Rosabel of Villa Altieri, we summon you to surrender in the name of the most holy inquisition the inquisition exclaimed vivaldi scarcely believing what he heard here is some mistake the official repeated the summons without deigning to reply vivaldi yet more astonished added do not imagine you can so far impose upon my credulity that i can believe myself to have fallen within the cognizance of the inquisition you may believe what you please senor replied the chief officer but you and that lady are our prisoners be gone impostor said vivaldi springing from the ground where he had supported elena or my sword shall teach you to repent your audacity do you insult an officer of the inquisition exclaimed the ruffian that holy community will inform you what you incur by resisting its mandate the priest interrupted vivaldi's retort if you are really officers of that tremendous tribunal he said produce some proof of your office remember this place is sanctified and tremble for the consequence of imposition you do wrong to believe that i will deliver up to you persons who have taken refuge here without an unequivocal demand from that dread power produce your form of summons demanded vivaldi with haughty impatience it is here replied the official drawing forth a black scroll which he delivered to the priest read and be satisfied the benedictine started the instant he beheld the scroll but he received and deliberately examined it the kind of parchment the impression of the seal the particular form of words the private signals understood only by the initiated all announced this to be a true instrument of arrestation from the holy office the scroll dropped from his hand and he fixed his eyes with surprise and unutterable compassion upon vivaldi who stooped to reach the parchment when it was snatched by the official unhappy young man said the priest it is too true 
you are summoned by that awful power to answer to your crime and i am spared from the commission of a terrible offence vivaldi appeared thunderstruck for what crime holy father am i called upon to answer this is some bold and artful imposture since it can delude even you what crime what offence i do not think you have been thus hardened in guilt replied the priest forbear add not the audacity of falsehood to the headlong passions of youth you understand too well your crime falsehood retorted vivaldi but your years old man and those sacred vestments protect you for these ruffians who have dared to implicate that innocent victim pointing to elena in the charge that they shall have justice for my vengeance forbear forbear said the priest seizing his arm have pity on yourself and on her know you not the punishment you incur from resistance i know not nor care not replied vivaldi but i will descend elena di rosaba to the last moment let them approach if they dare it is on her on her who lies senseless at your feet said the priest that they will wreck their vengeance for these insults on her the partner of your guilt the partner of my guilt exclaimed vivaldi with mingled astonishment and indignation of my guilt rash young man does not the very veil she wears betray it i marvel how it could pass my observation you have stolen a nun from her convent said the chief officer and must answer for the crime when you have wearied yourself with these heroics senor you must go with us our patience is wearied already vivaldi observed for the first time that elena was shrouded in a nun's veil it was the one which olivia had lent to conceal her from the notice of the abbess on the night of her departure from san stefano and which in the hurry of that departure she had forgotten to leave with the nun during this interval her mind had been so entirely occupied by cares and apprehension to allow her once to notice that the veil she wore was other than her usual one but it had been too well observed by some of the ursuline sisters though she knew not how to account for the circumstance of the veil vivaldi began to perceive others that gave color to the charge brought against him and to ascertain the wide circumference of the share that was spread around him he fancied too that he perceived the hand of scadoni employed upon it and that his dark spirit was now avenging itself for the exposure he had suffered in the church of the spirito santo and for all the consequent mortifications as vivaldi was ignorant of the ambitious hopes which the marchesa had encouraged in father scadoni he did not see the improbability that the confessor would have dared to hazard her favor by this arrest of her son much less could he suspect that scadoni having done so had secrets in his possession which enabled him safely to defy her resentment and bind her in silence to his decree with the conviction that scadoni's was the master hand that directed the present maneuver vivaldi stood aghast and gazing in silent unutterable anguish on elena who as she began to revive 
stretched forth her helpless hands and called upon him to save her do not leave me said she in accents most supplicating i am safe while you are with me at the sound of her voice he started from his trance and turning fiercely upon the ruffians who stood in sullen watchfulness around bade them depart or prepare for his fury at the same instant they all drew their swords and the shrieks of elena and the supplications of the officiating priest were lost amidst the tumult of the combatants vivaldi most unwilling to shed blood stood merely on the defensive till the violence of his antagonists compelled him to exert all his skill and strength he then disabled one of the ruffians but his skill was insufficient to repel the other two and he was nearly overcome when steps were heard approaching and paolo rushed into the chapel perceiving his master beset he drew his sword and came furiously to his aid till nearly at the moment when his adversary fell other ruffians entered the chapel and vivaldi with his faithful servant was wounded and at length disarmed elena who had been withheld from throwing herself between the combatants now on observing that vivaldi was wounded renewed her efforts for liberty accompanied by such agony of supplication and complaint as almost moved to pity the hearts of the surrounding ruffians disabled by his wounds and also held by his enemies vivaldi was compelled to witness her distress and danger without a hope of rescuing her in frantic accents he called upon the old priest to protect her i dare not oppose the orders of the inquisition replied the benedictine even if i had sufficient strength to defy its officials know you not unhappy young man that it is death to resist them death exclaimed elena death ay lady too surely so signor it would have been well for you said one of the ruffians if you had taken my advice you will pay dearly for what you have done pointing to the ruffian who lay severely wounded on the ground my master will not have that to pay for friend said paolo for if you must know that is a piece of my work and if my arms were now at liberty i would try if i could not match it among one of you though i am so slashed peace good paolo the deed was mine said vivaldi then addressing the official for myself i care not i have done my duty but for her can you look upon her innocent and helpless as she is and not relent can you will you barbarians drag her also to destruction upon a charge too so daringly false our relenting would be of no service to her replied the official we must do our duty whether the charge is true or false she must answer to it before her judges what charge demanded elena the charge of having broken your nun's vows replied the priest elena raised her eyes to heaven is it even so she exclaimed you hear she acknowledges the crime said one of the ruffians she acknowledges no crime replied vivaldi she only perceives the extent of the malice that persecutes her oh elena must i then abandon you to their power 
leave you forever the agony of this thought reanimated him with momentary strength he burst from the grasp of the officials and once more clasped elena to his bosom who unable to speak wept with the anguish of a breaking heart as her head sunk upon his shoulder the ruffians around them so far respected their grief that for a moment they did not interrupt it vivaldi's exertion was transient faint from sorrow and from loss of blood he became unable to support himself and was compelled again to relinquish elena is there no help said she with agony will you suffer him to expire on the ground the priest directed that he should be conveyed to the benedictine convent where his wounds might be examined and medical aid administered the disabled ruffians were already carried thither but vivaldi refused to go unless elena might accompany him it was contrary to the rules of the place that a woman should enter it and before the priest could reply his benedictine brother eagerly said that they dared not transgress the law of the convent elena's fears for vivaldi entirely overcame those for herself and she entreated that he would suffer himself to be conveyed to the benedictines but he could not be prevailed with to leave her the officials however prepared to separate them vivaldi in vain urged the useless cruelty of dividing him from elena if as they had hinted she also was to be carried to the inquisition and as ineffectually demanded whither they really designed to take her we shall take good care of her senor said an officer that is sufficient for you it signifies nothing whether you are going the same way you must not go together why did you ever hear senor of arrested persons being suffered to remain in company said another ruffian fine plots they would lay i warrant they would not contradict each other's evidence a tittle you shall not separate me from my master though vociferated paolo i demand to be sent to the inquisition with him or to the devil but all is one for that fair and softly replied the officer you shall be sent to the inquisition first and to the devil afterwards you must be tried before you are condemned but waste no more time he added to his followers and pointing to elena away with her as they said this they listed elena in their arms let me loose cried paolo when he saw they were carrying her from the place let me loose i say and the violence of his struggles burst asunder the cords which held him a vain release for he was instantly seized again vivaldi already exhausted by the loss of blood and the anguish of his mind made however a last effort to save her he tried to raise himself from the ground but a sudden film came over his sight and his senses forsook him while yet the name of elena faltered on his lips as they bore her from the chapel she continued to call upon vivaldi and alternately to supplicate that she might once more behold him and take one last adieu the ruffians were inexorable and she heard his voice no more for he no longer heard no longer was able to reply to hers oh once again she cried in agony one word vivaldi let me hear the sound of your voice yet once again but it was silent as she quitted the chapel 
with eyes still bent towards the spot where he lay she exclaimed in the piercing accents of despair farewell vivaldi oh for ever ever farewell the tone in which she pronounced the last farewell was so touching that even the cold heart of the priest could not resist it but he impatiently wiped away the few tears that rushed into his eyes before they were observed vivaldi heard it it seemed to arouse him from death he heard her mournful voice for the last time and turning his eyes saw her veil floating away through the portal of the chapel all suffering all effort all resistance were vain the ruffians bound him bleeding as he was and conveyed him to the benedictine convent together with a wounded paolo who unceasingly vociferated on the way thither i demand to be sent to the inquisition i demand to be sent to the inquisition end of chapter sixteen recording by marty chris